It just took us an hour to figure out how to do this. We finally got two mics. We're working to figure out how to use two mics with the Mac. Have to go to GarageBand. This has been a hot mess. So hopefully this episode will be good. Um, what are your thoughts, Juliet, on, on this issue that we have been having? I think two things. Well, three things actually. First off, my coffee's cold now. So I don't think we'll, we'll really be drinking coffee during this podcast. It'll more so just be sitting beside us. Well, dad's drinking coffee. I hate that noise so much. <sighs> that just, is some very uh, cold coffee. It is so freaking cold. Um, um, so Second so what, thing. So what coffee are we having today? Let's just go and start off with that one. I, I can't even pronounce it. It's like Lavazza. Yeah, it's a it's an Italian coffee. Um, a colleague of mine has it in his office, the beans, and we grind them. But we I just got the ground the ground coffee. There's no like sense or anything. Oh, also speaking of coffee. If you guys haven't seen our recent post, you should follow us on Instagram and on Twitter. And is that about it? (laughs) Let's get to those in a second. We'll get to those in a minute. Right. So what are your other two thoughts about this? Second of all, I feel like this entire process of us figuring out what the heck to do technology-wise and getting our microphones to have not like, I don't know, not one be so freaking loud and the other one really low. And for some reason, we switched microphones, we switched headphones, we switched cords, and for some reason, I'm always lower than he is. Um, and it's not a volume issue, like, in person. It's just, I don't know. Um, I think we should have recorded it, and I think we should have made a podcast out of that, and had that been, like, a special podcast that we could have done, and you could have just seen us struggle and say random crap as we test our volume. And third of all, I feel like we have been here, like... As it's long already, as the it's already dark outside of a Tarantino movie, which we have it. We've only been here for an hour, but it's been it feels like forever. And so that's those are my two other comments. So, yeah, she she says that because she's finally watched two Tarantino movies. She she watched Inglorious Bastards and saw Brad Pitt stick his finger in a bullet hole. Oh, and I that was, hated that. That right? was so freaking. Oh, and then. Um, Django Unchained the other night, which she asked for an intermission, and then we're like, it's just an hour left, so she finished watching it. Um, two two great performances from Christoph Waltz, you know, as Hans Landa, and then as oh, Dr. King Schultz. <laughs> and then, of course, I forgot how many great performances are in Django Unchained. I mean, even with the issues of that film, there's a lot of really good performances from Samuel L. Jackson to... Jamie Foxx and Christoph Waltz and Kerry Washington. Um, I did notice one thing, though. Very not, even though he is going to get Broomhilda back, she really has no agency in there. And it really is. It's not a white savior movie, but it really is focused on Schultz and not on Django. Oh, yeah. There's. I started noticing that last night, and I was like, oh, that that kind of... Stuck out. But anyways, so maybe we'll do podcasts on films. Who knows? I, I really don't want to because I don't want to watch The Greatest Showman or Hamilton or anything like oh, that. No. But like regardless, though, even with those issues, like it was still entertaining to watch, I guess you could say. But it's then you also have to like look well, into it from a more. Remember, that's what makes art, I think, good is you actually can talk about it and dissect it. And you don't take it for face value. Remember, we don't we don't like the Great Gatsby's narrative. We think it's trash. 
But And if you didn't know that, listen to our first episode, please. Right. Listen to chapter one on The Great Gatsby. But, you know, we have respect for The Great Gatsby because of Fitzgerald's style, some of the things that he's actually trying to do in there and things like that. So where can people follow us? You, you mentioned that we, we have social media <laughs> presence now. Where can they follow us at? Okay. You can follow us on Instagram at Classics and Coffee Podcast. Um, currently, we just did a post... For the bluest eye because while we're filming this right now next tuesday while we're be... recording this yeah while we're recording this filming i don't know why i said filming while we're recording this right now chap part two of the bluest eye should come out chapter four part one we haven't even dropped part one yet oh we haven't even dropped part one part no. one is coming out tuesday august 22nd so it will be out by the time that you listen to this but if you haven't listened to it listen to it um but anyways, on our Instagram, we just posted a thing of Toni Morrison and Portrait actually has a coffee dedicated to her. So that's why I mentioned that earlier, um, even though he kind of like stopped me from mentioning it. But that's kind of what I meant by that. And where can they follow us on Twitter? Um, Twitter is Class and Coffee. C-L-A-S and Coffee. Okay, yeah. And, and one thing we just found out, which we didn't know, if you listen to us on Spotify, actually go to the Spotify page. You can leave us actually a voice recording, I think about a 50 second to a minute voice recording. And my wife called me or left one the other day to be like, hey, you know, you can do this. So I just got this email out of the blue that said, you have a voice recording. I was like, what is this? And then she showed us, of course, how to do it. Shows us that our technological skills are not as great as, you know, we kind of make them out to be. But use that voice recording or if you want to leave a comment on Apple um, Podcast or wherever you get your podcast, or on respond to us on Twitter or on Instagram, I do post things on Facebook, but it's, we don't have an account on Facebook yet. It's just our personal stuff. But if you have a book that I won't say a book you want us to read and talk about because we have so many books we're going to read and talk about right now, but leave drop us a line with your actually audio recording or like I said a comment about your favorite classic and why you enjoy it and maybe we'll play it on an upcoming episode and then maybe like a long time down the line because i think right now we already have season two and three planned out if i'm not mistaken when are those going to be released i have no idea i have no idea what our plan is for when season two is coming out yeah so at the rate we're going season two may come out you know probably halfway during the fall i mean i would assume we still have to read the books and I also have school and not summer, so it could be a very much longer process. Right. And I mean, my job requires reading books and doing other things too, but I'm not reading these books for school. Yeah. So. Neither am I. It will be, it'll be a little bit, like I said, we got, look for it kind of mid, late October, maybe early November. But one last thing to say too, before we get going with chapter five is. Wait, should we get. When, when the next episode drops, between the next episode and. The Bluest Eye Part 2, because we have two parts. It is going to be Juliet's birthday. Oh, I was about to say, is it my birthday? Is yes. that what we're talking about? It's your birthday. Oh, okay. Right. So Juliet will have a birthday before then, and sometime in season two, I'll have a birthday. <laughs> so what were you going to say? I was going to, uh, at first I was like, are we going to do that other book that we were talking about, like in between the two? I was like, that's weird. We can we may do the other book. There's another book that I just read that I kind of want them to, um, Juliet and her mom, my wife, to read. <laughs> um, 
And we may actually have a special episode about that. It's a book that just came out. So it wouldn't be dedicated to any season or anything. It would be a solo episode. Yeah, but at the rate we're going, if we keep doing it like this, it'll just be one straight season with, you know, Cat Monte Cristo level chapters. About a hundred something chapters, so. Wait, what? <laughs> oh, yeah. Like, it, it, it would just be never ending. Like, we just keep going. Right. I mean, isn't that kind of the goal? Just to read until you until you go and... Until you drop dead. Right. Until you fall into the earth. <laughs> so... I was going to say, too, though, because I was talking about this. I'm sorry. Um, should we tell them what our second season is? I think we've already hinted at it before. Have we told them? Why don't we wait and see if this is going to be a two-parter, and then if it's a two-parter, we can tell them at the end of next episode. If it's a one-parter, we'll tell them at the end of this episode. But how are we going to determine whether or not it's a one- or two-parter? We can figure that out, you know. So. I think when he says we, I think he says him, because last time for the, like, for the bluest eye, I had no idea we were doing a two-parter, and here we are. Well, we recorded it. We started recording it, talked about an hour, and they were like, oh, we got to cut it off. Because we really don't want to go over an hour with the podcast. And then they're like, we'll just record the second part. So we did that. And it was about 45 minutes, right? Yep. All right. So that has been a very long intro. There's no <laughs> timer. I'm using GarageBand this time instead of Audacity to figure out these the microphone kinks. and, yeah, these technological issues. So I can't see how long we've actually been going. I'm trying to keep track real quick up here. But what book are we actually reading for Chapter 5? We are reading Americana by Chimamanda Adichie. Do you have your copy over there? Yes, I put it on a chair because I didn't, there was so much stuff over here that I didn't want it to like interfere with anything. And I was so scared that I was going to drop coffee on my book or coffee on the microphone because we have new stuff. So I was terrified. So this book is actually your second choice. You know, your first choice yeah. was Charlotte Bronte's Jane Eyre. Um, you read The Stone Face, said that was one of your favorite books, which kind of shocked me and made me happy, I guess. And then you chose... This means he's going to give me more book recommendations. Well, isn't that what this podcast is about? You recommend books to me, I recommend books to you. But <laughs> this book actually came out when I was in grad school. I think it came out in 2013, if I remember correctly. And... I remember that a lot of colleagues were reading it at the time, yeah, 2013, and talking about it, and I, I never got around to reading it. It was always a book that I wanted to read that I had on my list, just with everything else that kind of, you know, was going on, just never got around to it. Well, and you're then, welcome. And then when Juliet actually suggested I was like, yeah, great, because I need to read it, and it's a book, like I said, I've been wanting to read, so thank you. You're welcome. I didn't know you wanted to read it at one point or another, because I just got it at like a Barnes & Noble once because I wanted it because we saw her um, TED Talk in class about sophomore year because we were reading Things Fall Apart, but we also watched one of her podcast, like one of her TED Talks as well. Um, And then I w and then she said that she was author of Americana and then I wanted to look and see what it was. And then I found it at a store and I told you guys it was a school book. It was a book for school. It wasn't. I just I just wanted to read it really badly. Because oh. there was another, because I was looking for so, I'm so, Still so, Here, so, so but I actually, couldn't find it. It was like $22. So, so you like, actually lied to us to get the book. Yeah. The things I learned on this podcast are getting <laughs> to be, you know. Well, right, we'll, talk, we'll talk it was either later. a $16 Americana or it was a $22, 100-page, like, super big font. Like, the book was, like, this big. Like, Y'all can't see what I'm showing him right now. I'm Still Here. Okay. So would you rather this book 
Or would you rather a book that I needed for class that I could have found somewhere else cheaper? Also, it was a Books A Million, not a Barnes & Noble. Oh, like that matters. <laughs> Doesn't really matter. Anyways, so Adichie is Nigerian, right? I mean, there's a lot of stuff in this book. I was talking to, to a friend about you reading this book and this being one of your favorite books. And she was basically like, she didn't say that's crazy, but she was basically like, there's a lot in there. Like, how did she react to it, basically? Yeah. So, and then when I read it, I was like, there's a lot in here. Like, I, I knew some of the stuff that was in here, but then reading it, I was like, there is a lot going on. We are not in any way, shape, or form going to be able to touch on everything in here, specifically dealing with um, Nigerian history, um, the kind of differences between Yoruba and Igbo and, and all of these types of things. There's just so much that I don't know. And I know that Juliet doesn't know either that we're just not going to be able to tackle it. But let's just kind of start off and, you know, why did you choose this book? You already told me you lied to us about getting <laughs> the book. So you lied to get it. Yeah. That's the first step. That that acceptance of what you've done in your past mistakes is good for a start. So I, I sort of chose this book because so many times when I read about a black person's perspective of the United States, it's usually from an African-American point of view. It's usually from someone who's grown up in the United States, who's basically had their family linked back to slavery. It's never, I've never read a novel um, or have come across a novel. And I guarantee you there are like many out there, but for me, this was the first novel that I came across that had a black character, a black female character, who moved to the United States and experienced racism in the United States firsthand, not realizing what it was like before coming here, not growing up with that experience, but having to adapt to that experience. Right. It's it's an immigrant narrative. Yeah. I mean, it, it deals with a bunch of topics from race to class, um, colonization, post-colonization, decolonization. It deals with a lot of these things, but it is an immigrant narrative too, right? And it's dealing with a lot of those issues, especially with um, Ifemalu coming over and coming to America, trying to navigate being a Nigerian woman in America and having to learn about the issues of race within America. And then Abinze, of course, going to um, England and then acting like he's, you know, succeeding when he's not. Right. So it's not even just dealing with America either. It's dealing with the Western world. Right. It's really dealing with these questions of assimilation, you know, um, whether one should assimilate or not, what's going on with all of this stuff, you know, kind of the impacts, I would say, of colonization on if we think about the psychological impacts of racism in the bluest eye, this is dealing with the psychological and kind of cultural impacts of colonialism, which is also racism as well, but other factors, you know, playing into that too. This is a very random question because I was looking at this. Have we, because I have never known what the definition of Americana means because I've seen it other places as well, but I don't know what the definition. So in this book, what's the definition of Americana? Remember that our friends use it. When somebody comes back from America, they call her that they're Americana, that they're Americanized basically, right? Oh, yeah. So I remember there's... I don't remember their names, but there's a girl before she leaves Nigeria to come to Philadelphia. 
they're hanging out and they that girl or it may have been a guy they say is is americana like it's that kind of acknowledgement or that kind of you've become americanized that's basically kind of how i take it and they use it as a derogatory term as well right it's like oh you've pretty much like assimilated right to their beliefs and even if even if you haven't even though you've been to america and sort of seen what it's like and sort of you had to adapt somehow because it's a completely different environment and the people are also just the western world's treatment of you is going to be very different so what are the different kind of aspects of western culture that she's interrogating here and there's one major one that runs throughout and the cover of your book what's on the cover of your book i figured it out today the cover on the book is actually braids Right. And so where does a lot of the present part of the novel take place? In a hair salon. Yeah, like half, not more than half of the book. With it, it goes back and forth between a Benze and a Femilu. But half or more than half of the book, she is in the hair salon, right? And yeah. I think in New Jersey, getting her hair done. And she's thinking about these things, right? So it's a discussion, too. If you've ever seen a picture of me, I'm bald. I don't have hair. <laughs> I had hair in college and then, well, high school, then college. It was down to my chin, then I shaved it off. It was, oh, it it was, was down, down to, to your chin. chin? Yeah, it was down to here. So, no. so oh. and thanks to genetics, you know, it just, it's been gone. Thankfully, I have a head for it, so I look decent bald, thank, thankfully. Thank you very much, genetics, for me not having to see my dad with chin-length hair. Oh, it was fun. I miss it. It was greasy, too, because I didn't know how to wash it. Oh. Anyways. But, you know... Was this, was this before or after, Bob? Uh, after. Or before. Oh, thank goodness. Yeah. I tried to grow it out once with her, and it didn't, it didn't really go well because I'm, I'm balding. <laughs> but anyways... That's not important. But I think it's very important that this is set, at least if Emma lose part at the beginning in the hair salon, there is not detailed, but in-depth, to a certain extent, discussion of how she gets her hair done, Right. Which is totally different than how you get your hair done, right? Because your hair is different than hers. That is a whole discussion of beauty standards and um, upkeep is not the right word. So I apologize for that. But, you know, just maintaining, right, oneself. And one of the themes that really runs throughout this book are those Western, you know, ideals of beauty. Which takes us back to the bluest eye, too. There's multiple parts in this book where... Ifimalu is talking about representation, talking about, you know, Western standard ideals of beauty, which blonde hair, blue eyes, straight hair, all of this type of stuff, right? Isn't there, like, I have two things to say. Isn't there an entire conversation about, like, relaxing of hair? I think so, if I remember correctly. Okay. Like I said, there's a lot of stuff in this book, and I can't remember everything. I I, I read part of it and annotated, and then I listened to the audio book because I was just having to do much, so much stuff. So some parts I didn't annotate, some parts I did. And I was looking back over it, and I was like, there's just way too much to talk about in here. Because one of the things I remember, too, is we need to talk about her nephew. Um, is it her nephew, DK? Is it her nephew or her cousin? I don't remember. Uju was her aunt. Yeah. So it'd be her cousin, right? Yeah. So her aunt moves to the U.S. when DK is younger, and DK grows up basically Americanized, right? Yeah. And she kind of thinks about that, 
talks to him about it. He ends up trying to kill himself too, remember? Um, because of the way that people treat him at school and elsewhere too. And I was actually reading one part of it as well where... Wait, how old was he again? When he tried to kill himself? Yeah. He was a teenager. Okay. But there was there was one part, and I was flipping back through, there, were dis- there was a discussion when he started school or when he was in school that his teacher said he was unruly and they couldn't... They couldn't tame him or something. They couldn't, you know, control him, right? Oh, my God. Which, if you know um, suspension rates, expulsion rates, um, and, and school detention, all of that stuff is higher for African-American men and or boys and girls than it is for white boys and girls, right? Mm-hmm. So that's a very important kind of discussion. It's kind of a brief one, but... I think Ifimalu was talking about that, or at least there's, I think maybe one of her chapters that she's thinking about it. I feel like this book, like if we were, (laughs) I feel like part of me feels like if we were to cover everything in depth, this would have to be the sort of, like, this whole thing would be a season. And we'd have to go chapter by chapter. Almost. I don't know if we'd have to go chapter by chapter, but we would have to do... A lot of stuff because there is, like I said, there is so much in here. There's discussions when she, I think she's rooming with some white, with some white girls. There's discussions of, um, you know, there's this one discussion you mentioned. This is actually what I saw too, and I found that part with DK. But let me give you this one. When isn't you mentioned, there, isn't there also a discussion of her mother converting to Christianity? Right. So there's a whole discussion of her mother converting to Christianity and the way that her mother, um thinks about Christianity as giving her basically, you know, direct prayer access to God for blessings and gifts or seeing everything through that kind of lens, right? So one of the things too, let me let me do the thing with DK real quick. So I just found it and then I'll find the other thing that I was looking for. So this is actually, yeah, so this is actually um, Annie Uju talking about it. And right before this is actually a discussion of cosmetics and discussion of beauty. Let me actually just read a little bit of this. We can talk about it. So Annie Uju too um, had changed. At first she had sounded curious, expecting about her new life. This place is so white, she said. Do you know I went to the drugstore to quickly buy lipstick? Because the mall was 30 minutes away and all the shades were too pale. But they can't, but they can't carry what they can't sell. At least this place is quiet and restful. And this is when I remember where she moved here. And I feel safe drinking the tap water, something I will never even try in Brooklyn, right? So one, talking about the cosmetics she can and can't get at the store, right, that do not fit her shade or do not fit her her complexion. Slowly over the months, Annie Uju's tone soured. And this is when she moves in with a guy. Um, I don't remember where they moved to, but it's not New York. It's in the Northeast. They moved to Boston? I don't remember. I don't remember. I think they moved to Massachusetts. Anyways. I think but, it was Massachusetts. But this is what she says. Um, DK's teacher said he is aggressive. She told Ifemalu one day um, after she had been called to come in and see the principal. Aggressive of all things. She wants him to go to what they call special ed. And they're coming from Brooklyn and they're going to a predominantly white community and predominantly white school. She wants him to go um, to what they call special ed, where they will put him in class alone and bring somebody who is trained to deal with mental children to teach him. He has no mental illness, no issues whatsoever, right? He's just trying to figure out who he is as a kid and teenager. I told the woman that is not my son. It is her father who is aggressive. Look at him, just because he looks different. When he does what other little boys do, it becomes aggressive. 
Then the principal told me, DK is just like one of us. We don't see him as different at all. What kind of pretending is that? I told him to look at my son. There are only two of them in the whole school. So two black kids in the whole school, right? The other child is a half caste, so he's mixed. Um, and so fair that if you look if you look from afar, you'll not even know that he is black. My son sticks out. So how can you tell me that you don't see any difference? I refuse completely that they should put him in the special class. He is brighter than all of them combined. They want to start now to mark him. Uh, Kimi warned me about this. She said they've tried to do it to her son in Indiana. So that's that passage. What do you kind of make of that? I think the fact that I'm trying to find the right words to like phrase what I'm like thinking right now and they're not coming out. So, <laughs> so has there been any experience, not personal experience with you, but have you seen that happen? Cause remember I've asked you before you've been in gifted classes. I asked you when you were in gifted classes here, like what is the makeup of your classes here? Right. Um, I know the school you're at now is very diverse and very, um, is very diverse. My, okay, going back to elementary school, I'm thinking of the gifted program at the moment because there were like 10 and, of us. And where you were at in elementary school is a diverse population. Yeah. There was one black kid. Mm-hmm. Everybody else was white. Um, I don't remember the... Um, the makeup of fifth grade for those programs. Um, sixth grade was just you take all the classes that you have to take. Um, eighth grade, there, so where we are, there is a very, nobody's pretty much, nobody at my school, there were like very few African Americans. Um, it's a large Latino population. But there is a large Latino population. And the thing is, is there were probably... There were two Latino girls in our class, and that was it. Everybody else was white. And then, of course, once school started here, where I go to now, um, the makeup's a whole lot different because we have a very high international population, but we also have a good mix-up of a domestic population, too. Um, and 70% of the people who attend our school do not live, like, they they don't live in the area. Um, so I think now, in my high school, it's a lot different, like, the class makeup. It's a lot more diverse, but especially looking back, especially in elementary school, Thinking about the gifted program now, it was very, like, it was not diverse So, at all. have you come across any, have you seen educators treat anybody any different? Kind of what they're talking about there. I want to say I have. Like, I feel that there has been a time when I was little, like, when I was really little, but I can't really pinpoint it. Because I feel like it was something that you thought naturally of, oh, like, this person just did something bad. But there's not a vivid memory that I have of anything. 
but I feel like it has happened at some point or another. I'm, I'm sure it has. And I know that I've, as an educator, has probably done the same thing as much as I try not to. Right. Um, kind of what we were talking about, I think, last time with the bluest eye. And, you know, what do you what's your initial thought? And then what how do you change that thought when something happens? Right. So I also thought about and this is a little bit different, but I thought of, there's another scene in here where she's in college and her classmates use the N-word, and there's this whole discussion about whether you should use it or not, right? I don't remember exactly where it is, and I forgot which side she came down on, but it reminded me of, you know, that time in your class. Oh, uh, yeah. So do you, do you want to talk about that a little bit? Yeah, I can talk so, about that a little bit. So, it, so, so in the novel, sorry, in the novel, yeah. she's in college uh, in Philadelphia, I think, and I don't remember if it's the professor or somebody else who, who says in, and then they talk about it, and there's this discussion of, you know, who should be able to say it, who shouldn't be able to say it. It, it is basically all that discussion, right? And I can't find it right now, but that's where, that's where this comes from. So what happened with you? So in my eighth grade class, funny enough, it was before we even got a chance to read this book out loud, COVID happened. What book was it? And <laughs> the book was To Kill a Mockingbird by Harper Lee. You know, oh, you're... Why did I think it was Huck Finn? You did Huck Finn the next year. Yeah, Huck Finn, they made me read in the course of three days. Um, while also jumbling a bunch of other stuff. I, th- I thought that was very bold of them. Um, couldn't do it. Did you finish Huck Finn? When I say finish, I mean like I scanned the okay. last half of the book scanned or skimmed scanning is different than skimming skimmed i skimmed the last half of that book so you are reading to kill a mockingbird yeah so we read to kill a mockingbird which and is there another was... novel we could probably talk about but yeah um I, c- I keep looking at my shelf of all the novels that we have and of what like i want to talk about for episodes and i come and i like look at to kill a mockingbird and i'm like no i, I just i i don't know why like it's not I don't dislike the novel, but I feel like there's so many other things that we could talk about yeah. other than that. Okay, so so what happened in eighth grade with To Kill a Mockingbird? So, it was one of the final days of school. We started to read To Kill a Mockingbird, and we had the whole discussion. Before lockdown. Um, This was right before lockdown. This was like probably like a week before lockdown. We had the whole discussion of reading the book out loud. None of us in this class are black there are probably three latino people in this class and everybody else is white and she never said the word when we were talking about it but we were going through the conversation of can we use the n-word when reading the book out loud and she 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 came down on the conclusion of yes um me and a couple of other people were not thrilled with the decision so we went up to her and we talked about it and we said hey we're not comfortable with this um and then of course lockdown happened right after that and we didn't really get like a resolved thing but there was also i'm trying to remember i think you brought this up to me someone would read the book and substitute that word with just the letter in right and keep going which is also what you do right but the thing was is out in the hallway i overheard a couple of people just saying the word and pretty much joking about it 
and the fact that their teacher pretty much gave them permission to say it. Even though it was in the context of, you can say it with this book, they also treated it, which I don't agree with, they also treated it in the context of, you can say it anywhere. Right. Which is very... And I remember, too, you were upset about it, and then you said that you wanted to say something, so you and a couple of students went. I told her, I told you that you need to go talk to her first, right? Yeah. And then y'all talked to her, and she didn't change. Then I reached mm-hmm. out, right? And then, of course, still didn't change. Um, I keep asking myself, what would it have done if I pushed it? I don't know. You know, thinking about where we are, I'm like, would it have done anything? My question is, after that whole incident with, like, the whole sticker thing, would it have gone to the... So there was an incident a couple of years later with... Uh, it was like a year later. Yeah, it? probably a year later when they went back to school with a teacher who had a, who had a BLM sticker on his filing cabinet or her filing cabinet. And they also had a Fellowship of Christian Athletes sticker on their filing cabinet. And... On the local Facebook page, a lot of people were up in arms that there was a BLM sticker on there, but no discussion, of course, of the FCA sticker that was on there. And then it became a whole thing with the school board here and everything like that, too. But, of course, they came down on the side that the BLM was a political group. That was the argument, which wouldn't, that's not the case. But anyways, but yeah, so those are, you know, pedagogical issues for teachers, but those are also issues that students deal with. And as you know, as a white student, the impact of those on you is different than somebody who is like DK, right? Yeah. So if you're an educator listening to this, just think about those pedagogical moments and how these pedagogical moments affect all of your students. You know, as an educator, I have to think about how what I teach and what I say affects and impacts every student in the class, not just the students who, you know, appear to care. I don't even know how to phrase that. Um, who pay attention in class. Yeah. I mean, I am. I have to teach every student, right? Yeah. And I care for every student. So it's, it's how, do we, how do we navigate that as educators? So I found that other, that other thing, too. This is with Kelsey. And there's discussions, of course, of, of novels, um, Ifimalu showed her the cover of the novel. I think she's reading Kane. And I was we, about to bring that up. I was like, wasn't she? Didn't she yeah. read Kane at one point? So she reads Kane. She reads James Baldwin. She reads because those are Obenze recommends them to her. Remember? Wait, she read Baldwin. Right. So Obenze recommends all of these American novels to her, and then he goes to England. Oh yeah. So Ifimalu showed her the cover of the novel. Um, she did not want to start a conversation, especially not with Kelsey. She recognized in Kelsey the nationalism of liberal Americans who copiously criticized America but did not like you to do so. They expected you to be silent and grateful and always reminded you of how much better um, than wherever you had come from America was. Is it good? Yes. It's a novel, right? What's it about? And this is came. Why did people ask, what is it about? As if a novel had to be about only one thing. And Kane is a collection of poems, short stories... A play at the end. Um, if Emily disliked the question, she would have disliked it even if she did not feel. In addition to her depressed uncertainty, the beginning of a headache. It may not be the kind of book you would like if you have a particular taste. He mixes prose and verse. You have a great accent. Where are you from? 
Nigeria. Oh, cool. Kelsey had slender fingers. They would be perfect for advertising rings. I'm going to Africa in the fall. Congo and Kenya, and I'm going to try and see Tanzania, too. That's nice. Then this is Kelsey. I've been reading books to get ready. Everybody recommended Things Fall Apart by Achebe. That's not even... Um, which I read in high school. It's very good, but sort of quaint, right? I mean, like, it didn't help me understand modern Africa. I've just read this great book, A Bend in the River. I need to look up who wrote that. I'm sorry, I don't have that in front of me. It made me truly understand how modern Africa works. Ifimalu made a sound halfway between a snort and a hum, but said nothing. It's just so honest, the most honest book I've read about Africa, Kelsey said. And this is what I had marked. Ifimalu shifted. Kelsey's knowing tone grated. Her headache was getting worse. She did not think the novel was about Africa at all. It was about Europe, or the longing for Europe, about the battered self-image of an Indian man born in Africa who felt so wounded, so diminished by not having been born European, a member of a race which he had elevated for the ability to create, that he turned his imagined personal insufficiencies into an impatient contempt for Africa in his knowing, haughty attitude to the African. He could become, even if only fleetingly, a European. She leaned back on her seat and said this in measured tones. So that idea of assimilation, too, like we talked about, there's, I can't pronounce his name, but Abenze's friend in, in England who basically becomes British. I mean, Nigeria was a British colony, right? I think one of the things, too, that like really bothered me about what you just read was the fact that she kept mentioning, like she mentioned all of these different countries, and then she's like, oh, I'm reading Things Fall Apart. But she never mentioned Nigeria. Like, she mentioned, it was like Kenya and Tanzania and a couple other places, right? So she mentions Congo, Kenya, and Tanzania. I apologize for not being able to pronounce his name, but it's V.S. Um, Nepal, which I actually picked up one of his books um, a couple of weeks ago. And he is from, if I remember correctly, he's Trinidadian. He's from Trinidad. So he's Trinidadian, um, which Trinidad was a British colony too. But the the book that I picked up, and I'm planning to read at some point, is Among the Believers in Islamic Journey, where he goes to different countries um, and is exploring Islam basically through the different countries. At least that's my understanding of it. But anyways. Wasn't everything at one point or another a British colony? So, remember, we talked about this with Jane Eyre. Um, <laughs> I did not have a chance to look up Nigeria's colonial history, but, you know, the saying was that the sun rose and set on the British Empire, right? They had a huge swath of the land. And I don't remember the exact numbers, but if you look, the Western European powers are the ones who had the majority of the land or, you know, colonies in the world. I don't remember, like I said, I don't remember the amount, but it was astronomical. If you look at Africa, it was pretty much, didn't it go into like the 50s and even like late? It went even later than that, didn't it? So you had the race for Africa in the late 1800s where people in, I think they were in Berlin, um, just basically drew up lines and be like, oh, this is ours, this is ours, this is ours, right? Yeah. And then... There was post-colonial anti-imperialist movements. This is the book I just read, you know, in Asia, in China, in India, um, Persia, elsewhere, Ottoman Empire. And then, of course, there was, there's always been anti-colonial stuff, but the post-colonial kind of, you know, decolonization was the 50s, 60s. Okay. You know, around that period, right? Which is also where the stone face takes place. 
Right. I mean, that's what's also important about the stone face is the fact that it's taking place. It's decolonization. It's Algeria fighting for its war of independence. And then coupled with that, which I don't know why this didn't click with me. At that same time that France is fighting in Algeria, they're also fighting in Vietnam because... They fought in Vietnam? The French owned Vietnam. They owned Indochina. So that same time period in the 50s, that's when the French are ramping up trying to protect their colony or trying to maintain their colony in Vietnam. And we are sending, you know, things over to Vietnam at that point under Eisenhower. And then, of course, we send troops later on. So, like I said... There's, there's a lot going on that is there, but of course, um, Kelsey is basically, like you said, just giving her stuff and be like, oh, I'm going there, yay, but not reading anything from those places, just, she's almost like she's painting Africa in the broad brush, right? That and this you, is Africa, you Nigeria also have to is not the too, Congo. Africa consists of countries ranging from Egypt to South Africa to Ethiopia to Ghana to Morocco to Democratic Republic of Congo to Kenya to Chad to Nigeria to all of these different places Burundi Tanzania Rwanda like all of these places are very different from one another Somalia yes and 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 Nigeria from what I understand from some other stuff I've been reading has like the largest diversity of groups of people right different tribes or tribal affiliations I think but 200 and something different groups you would think maybe china because it's the largest nation but no it's nigeria has the largest group diversity of people in the world from what i understand yeah so like different groups of you know ethnicities i'm not sure exactly how to classify it but but that gets into the other thing too is how do you view what is the thing if you if you look at everything you talk about china you talk about japan but if it's africa you say africa right and you told me when you went to Egypt that a lot of Egyptians don't view themselves as African. Yet, one of the one of the things I started looking up based off of Americana is Fela Kute, who was a Nigerian activist and musician. And later in his life, he actually started a band called Egypt Something to basically kind of point out that Egypt is part of Africa, right? So Egypt is the Sinai Peninsula going to Israel. It's kind of on that... Cusp. I wouldn't say border. Yeah, cusp may be the right word, but cusp isn't really the right word either. Nope. But it's kind of in that in that area that it's connecting both Asia and Africa, right? And then I don't know much about Egypt, but I know that you know African Americans looked to Egypt during the 1800s because they were like, look, Egypt was this great civilization and they were African, right? So they used Egypt as this as this image of, you know, Africa is not backwards, and they looked to Ethiopia too. So what was kind of your experience? You went to Egypt last year. What was kind of your experience and then kind of that connection, I guess? I don't think we should really, like, I don't know. Because it feels we're talking about this, especially since this novel is regarding, like, I feel like we're getting a little bit off topic. I don't think we're we're getting a little bit off topic. but (laughs) But it goes to the thing of, like I said, what I was talking about is, Africa, like you said, is diverse. Yeah. It is extremely diverse. Half but, of it's like a desert, and then someone said the other half is like forest or right. something. I mean, it's just I, I guess. Crazy. I guess, can you just comment on, you know, what I mentioned about how do Egyptians view themselves, or at least the Egyptians that you talked to and, and knew and befriended? So I was talking to my friend the other day, and we were sort of 
because we were doing like the little like whatsapp like voice like message things back and forth um and we were sort of talking about how um so they don't view themselves as african and they don't at least from what i recall from a conversation about a year ago and they don't of course they don't view themselves as arab or anything either so frankly i don't know they, they view themselves as egyptian but they do not associate themselves as african in that context and that's that's the importance of what i was trying to get at right yeah is we place ideas on the people and again this gets back to the voice's double consciousness about people placing things and images on you right Ifimalu is not African. She's Nigerian. She's is she a Reuben or is she Igbo? I don't remember. She's Igbo. Yeah, she's Igbo. Um, so that is specific, right? She's not she's not from Burundi. She's not from South Africa, anywhere like that. She's Nigerian, right? But when she comes here, she would just be labeled as African. And the fact too that like as you said before, when you're speaking of. And you kind of think about this too. We do the same thing. Like when we talk about Asia, we have very particular countries that we think about. You know, you're usually going to look towards East Asia. You're going to look towards China, Japan, Vietnam, Korea. And then we sort of associate the Middle East as something completely different. But we don't say anything regarding the Middle East as like different countries. We just say, oh, you're Middle Eastern. Right. And you know, as dumb as this makes me sound, which it is does make me sound dumb i didn't i didn't even think about pakistan or india or even further west as asian until a few years ago i was like oh that's right they're asian right and it even gets into the thing about who what countries are arab origin and what aren't right iran's not arab um they have a muslim you know belief system but they're not arab arab and muslim are not the same thing Mm -hmm. muslim is a religion is an ethnicity <laughs> and the fact too is if you think about each continent there is a very stereotypical idea that comes to mind there's like a handful of countries that will immediately co- pop into your head for each continent and then it sort of makes you neglect everything else and instead you're putting all of these cultures and all of these different stories into one box when they don't belong there they deserve their own individual box. Right. So what's another thing you kind of want to talk about as we wrap up part one? This is going to be a two-parter, it, it seems like. Anything that you kind of want to wrap up with before we move on to chapter 5.5 or whatever we're going to call it again? I don't really know, but I feel like at some point we should discuss... The similarities between Ifimalu and... I can never pronounce his name. Obinze? Obinze's experience in America and in England. Well, they're similar, but they're also very different. Well, they're very different, but the sort of the contrast and the similarities between those two. Yeah. I mean, the one thing with him is he, he tries to make himself look like he's doing a lot better, but he is not doing good at all. And one, of course, the similarities that they have is they both have to get fake papers in different ways right so to even live and work 
But we also need to talk about Blaine. We need to talk about Kurt. We need to talk about if him lose, you know, love interest. Because they're all, I think, important, too. And the whole other historical context here of Obama's presidency and his kind of election, too. Like I said, there's so much Wait, going on. Wait, is this the book with the party? Right. Of Okay, it was this book. I got it. Well, there's a couple of parties. There's there's one where Benzay's in, in Well, no, England. like the Obama. Like, right. And then, of course, that's when um, Blaine and Ifemalu fall apart, and then they come back together basically with Obama, and then they fall apart, right? So. Didn't they, like, blame Obama or something for that? As, like, I don't a joke? remember. I don't or remember. am I, like, just going crazy? You may be going crazy. So we will be back with part two of Americana. You know, make sure to check us out next week. Again, make sure to follow us on Instagram at Classics and Coffee Podcast. And or on, on Twitter at Class and Coffee. Right. And go over to Spotify and leave us an audio message telling us your favorite classic and why or your favorite book and why. Or, of course, leave us a comment in the, in the episode on iTunes, on Twitter, or, you know, message us on Instagram. Or and- you can also tell us a classic that you claim that you've read and that you praise but you've never actually read uh, I'm, I'm not talking about that one all right so <laughs> we'll see you next time what's bye. yours I, I don't know if i have one actually <laughs> all right say bye juliet bye